What's up and welcome to Groundbreaking, a friendly original podcast bringing you the young creatives redefining entrepreneurship and introducing you to tomorrow's leaders today. I'm Jake Brewer, let's get started. Meet Raquel Phillips. She's the co-founder of Catch, a brand new, easy-to-use service that takes the stress out of shopping. Their team matches your style preferences to products from brand name to local stores. They're not only improving the future of fashion and shopping, they're creating it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Groundbreaking. So excited that you're with us. We have such a cool episode for you today. Lucky you for clicking on this. I am going to be learning so much today. I am so excited that I really don't know much about the industry that we're going to be discussing today. And I have so many questions for today's guest. I'm probably going to overwhelm her, but just based on our few-minute conversation before we hit record here, I'm, I've kind of got the feeling that she's going to be um, somebody that's going to leave us with some great tips and great advice. Um, you may have heard of her before. Um, but we, why don't we just jump into it? I also got to preface and say that I have let her know that if I say anything that isn't correct or maybe could be said better, I have asked her to call me out for it. So um, I can't wait for Raquel, Raquel to <laughs> laugh at me and call me out. Um, it's going to be super exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to learning. So today's guest, Raquel Phillips, is the creator of Catch, which to my understanding is a service that sort of matches um, certain clothes that you may be interested in via text. And it's, to me, no pun intended, a groundbreaking way to sort of revolutionize the fashion industry, um, which I've had a few guests about, but I feel like this is a really unique um, sort of piece because it's a, it's a service that's going to sort of change fashion. So I have a ton of questions about the fashion industry, and I am incredibly excited to hear from Raquel today. So Raquel Phillips, Thanks so much for being here. It's such a pleasure. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to share some knowledge and some tips with you and answer all of your burning questions. Good, good, because I've got a lot and I hope you're ready <laughs> and it sounds like you are. Now, you said um, you're Boston-based and, of course, I have a huge affinity for Boston. Um, let's just start. How long How long has this sort of been going? We usually like to start the episodes by just plotting at least one point on your timeline. So like, how long have we been at this? How long has this sort of thing um, been growing? And has it always been known as Catch? Where did the name Catch come from? So many questions. I'll stop asking <laughs> there so you can answer Great some. questions. Yeah. Um, I'll start from the very beginning, um, why I kind of ended up in Boston. So I actually went to Babson College, which is small business school right outside of Boston. Fell in love with the city after going there. And I actually moved to New York City after graduation and studied accounting, went into public accounting. So probably the most opposite thing next to fashion. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. (laughs) Right, how I ended up starting a fashion tech company. Um, But... I guess how it kind of got started. Um, I actually co-founded Catch alongside my older sister, which is pretty fun. Um, And she is way more well-versed in the fashion industry. She was a lawyer for many years, but she um, specialized in fashion law, which is a thing, an exciting thing. 
Yeah. So okay. So many questions there. Okay. <laughs> keep going. Well, keep going. You're probably gonna ask, but basically, fashion law—it's just um, you study the the business of fashion, and instead of learning one type of law like contracts, you'll learn anything that you might need running a fashion company. So trademarks, IP, um, contracts are obviously part of that. A whole wealth of you kind of dabble in a bunch of different things. Yeah. My sister was in that industry, had, you know, worked for various retail clients. Um, and she's started just seeing where the industry was heading. And, you know, the fashion industry, especially now in the most recent months, but it's been at it's been kind of going down this path for the past couple of years, is changing and it's revolutionizing and personalization has been top of mind for many consumers. You know, they're looking for it when when thinking about fashion and shopping. Um, and Nicole was at the forefront of this, you know, working with her clients. She knew that they were all trying to break into this scary realm of personalization, but brands were just struggling and consumers were not happy with, you know, if you go to Nordstrom.com, you see 30,000 products if I logged on and you logged on, we would see the same products, even though we have completely different styles. It's just like a mess and a nightmare. Yeah. So she actually came to me with an idea that isn't what catches now, but it was kind of along the same lines. Um, and although I studied accounting, Babson was a business school, so I did learn a lot of just general business knowledge. So I started off just kind of helping her with like a business plan and giving her tips on what to think about in terms of starting a business. And then I fell in love with the idea and I quit my corporate job. I moved to Boston and we started this about over a year ago at this point, which is crazy. It feels like yeah. it just happened yesterday, but... <laughs> we are and here we are now yeah it's it's been crazy that's incredibly exciting I always love um hearing people's stories especially once they sort of quit the typical nine-to-five day job thing and are pursuing it because it opens up a whole new world of opportunity to grow and develop this thing um but I also love sort of love your transparency in recognizing that it's still sort of in that building block phase and you're still kind of putting it together. And um, I think there's a huge strength in that because as you mentioned, like the fashion industry is evolving and that sort of mentality allows you to evolve with it um, yeah. rather than sort of setting like a super strong base and being like, this is the way it is. It's the way it's always going to be. It sounds like you're really wondering like, what can it be alongside the growth of the industry, which is awesome yeah. because you're going to stay ahead of the curve, but to let us know exactly how catch works because I've seen like the site, I kind of have an idea, but like, yeah. I don't know, maybe you can use me as an example, which maybe <laughs> is a lousy example, but like <laughs> if I, if I were to use catch, like how, how would that sort of look? How does the technology work? Um, and then I guess my follow-up question is going to be like your exactly your role with your business background, building the brand. Yes. So uh, it's very simple. Our whole kind of mission and value is to simplify the online shopping experience because it is a nightmare. So 
if you were to sign up for catch, we're unfortunately only available for women's clothing, but I will let you know. <laughs> That's totally okay. <laughs> totally okay. But you would go to our site, sign up by taking a short style quiz, really high level, just asks, you know, what your style typically is, what price points you're comfortable with, what brands you like to shop and whatnot. Um, and then we send you a welcome text and a welcome email that outlines how to use the service, how to make the most of the service and what to expect. Um, and then you will receive five product recommendations sent right to your phone three times a week. Super simple. Um, all of the product recommendations we sent are from our brand partners. We have over a hundred brand partners, some really wow. awesome big brands like Anthropology, Revolve, Nordstrom, and Taylor. Um, and then we're focusing on bringing on a lot more minority-owned brands, sustainable brands, you know, there's kind of this shift in mindset when it comes to, you know, fast fashion and where should you be spending your money? You know, people want to be feeling good about where they're, where they're buying from. Absolutely. Especially in the, the past couple of months. So that's a huge um, focus point for us in terms of the next couple of months, bringing on a lot more um, mindful brand partners um, and then right from your phone, you'll, you'll see the product image show up. Um, we use iMessage interactions to capture additional feedback about what you think of the product. So I'm not sure if you have an iPhone, but when you get an iMessage, you can double tap it and give it like a heart, a thumbs up, a thumbs down. Um, so we use that data to get really quick reactions on whether our users are happy or not. Um, and yeah. yeah, that's like amazing data that is so lost in the typical shopping experience. Typical e-commerce sites, they really just go off of if you click on something, they'll think that's a positive behavior. And then at the bottom, it'll say, check these out. It's all based on what you've been clicking. Um, you really have no way to tell them I clicked it. I read about the fabric or something and I actually hated it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a cool, like, holistic view and holistic feedback that we are able to get and really easily just by text message. Yeah. So, yeah, it's simple. It's funny because our vision for Catch that we dreamt up over the past year was actually to have, like, a whole website that someone could go on and we would basically curate your own online shopping website for you. And all of this interaction and shopping could happen on your own site. Um, but there's obviously a lot of technology and development that goes into that. And we realized we could quickly and cheaply and easily provide a similar kind of experience using text. So we just kind of like tried it out one day and started texting people. And then it kind of grew and people were like, oh, I really love this. And text is such an interesting channel. Like with apps, you have to download and log in and remember all that information. Everyone, text is just right there and everyone yeah. opens all of their text. So it was kind of like a simple way to get around having to do any development, but it worked out being really smart. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're very much simplifying the like shopping sort of experience, and you're getting people to things way 
quicker. <laughs> I mean, if right. I don't have to go to a different site that leads me to a different site, um, I think just having it right and the kind of like alert aspect of it, like it's so funny. Like I feel like even if my phone vibrates from across the room, like I just know it did vibrate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're really playing into like kind of this – whether you want it to, if you think that's not healthy, that's totally okay. That sort of feeling that I have, but I, you're playing into our tendencies really, really well. Um, Absolutely. And do you think the the personalization aspect of it is that because people are searching for, or at least my own personal observation is that we're looking for like a little bit more individuality when it comes to expressing yourself through clothing and because I feel like that's such a strong wave that's sort of coming right now, do people just not know how to navigate that? And is that why they're so interested in this sort of service? Or is it just, is it ease where like, if I don't have to pick out what I have to buy, that's time saved. Cause <laughs> I think we all know no matter who we are, we could continuously scroll for as long as we possibly have. Yeah. I think it's a number of, of those things. Those are both really good points. The way that we, kind of thought about it. And my sister and I, we lived through the problem ourselves, which is actually why we decided to start Catch because we needed a service like this and it didn't exist. It's just online shopping is so saturated. It's, you know, overwhelming. There's so many options out there. Even if someone knows exactly what their style is, trying to find products that fit their style can take hours on end. Like I know I have spent so many hours trying to find a dress that I like know I it's in my head and I know exactly what I'm looking for, but if I find something that kind of fits the bar on one site, you know, there's this psychology of like, uh, this is okay, but can I find something better? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like there's so much psychology behind it. Um Paradox of choice is like one thing when you give consumers too many options, they just like freeze up and they're like, I can't make a decision. So, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's that's like another reason why we decided to go with sending five products at a time because they're small, easily digestible bouts of information. But if our users click through, if you just click the link that we send you, you'll be brought to the site. and. You know, if someone wants to explore the site and do some more shopping, they can easily do that. But for our users that are super busy, super active, they love just getting the five picks that we gave them and they can just quickly go through them, interact with them. If they want to purchase it, they just click the link and purchase. It's like a very simple, seamless experience. Yeah, it's just, it's super streamlined and you just... Get right to the site. So these, I think you, you call them partners, which I was probably the word that I would guess I would use too. Um, how did that sort of, like, what does that relationship look like? Or like, what is the extent of that sort of relationship? Because the ones you listed off are like well-known household brands. So especially yeah. as a startup, how did you grab their attention? And maybe it helps the context is the like this show has, such a diverse like crowd of listeners and I think that's been one thing that's really surprised me is I thought it would be people just like you or really just looking for those bits and pieces of advice but it's people from all different ends of the process um so how do you 
how do you fight for that attention and how do you build those relationships? Um, because it sounds like you and your sister are such a dynamic duo. Um, but how are you guys like <laughs> taking on these giant like corporations? Yeah. So we went about it. Like I would say we like went through the back door when finding these brands <laughs> originally, you know, our thought process was we'll find an email and reach out to these brands and see if one of them responds. But we decided to go down the affiliate marketing route. So if you're not familiar with affiliate marketing, um, there are these third-party sites, really popular ones like Rakuten or Viglink or Skimlinks. Those are a couple of the networks that we're on. And they basically facilitate relationships between merchants, which are these big brands, and publishers, which can be someone like Catch. It can be someone who runs a blog and they want to write about different fashion items. Um, and basically the way that relationship works is we get access to all of these brand partners inventory and we are able to create monetized links with all of their inventory. So every link that we send out um, is like catch branded. And if someone clicks on it, we know that we drove that click to the site. And if someone purchases, we get a percentage commission on that purchase. Gotcha. But it was really like going through the back door. We didn't have to like meet with anyone. We just had to get enough site traffic. And I guess the way that you do it is you apply to these networks. You have to get approved and then you apply to the specific brands. So we've had our fair share of, you know, people being like, you don't even have a website up yet, or you aren't, I don't know what you are, which is fine. Not, it's not for everyone. Yeah. Some were like, this is a really weird and unique idea. I'd love to try it out. And then we got on it and we generate a ton of clicks for them and generate sales for them. So they are very happy. Yeah. Do you think, do you think coming from you, if like, if the same message were to happen, like if H&M were to come at me and suggest this thing from me, and then if the same sort of message and the same suggestion came from you, I would probably be more inclined to buy it from you. Do you know why that is? And have you guys done any sort of like reflection on the impact? Because I guess obviously these affiliate programs exist because brands recognize that you your your voice is probably way more influential than there is upon me. Yeah, so definitely I would say it's a couple of things. One is absolutely just the added layer of personalization that we have. I won't go into too much detail on like our recommendation engine just for yeah. privacy purposes. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of data on our users and we're able to personalize recommendations far more than just like if someone's on H&M's site and is just clicking things, we can get way more targeted than that. Also, I think it's just a service that people sign up for and opt into. They know that they're asking us to send them product recommendations rather than an unsolicited email from a brand, which I get millions of. And I honestly delete them because there's just too much. And 
it's just a very different messaging coming from a brand that clearly just is sending products to the masses and is hoping they get a sale rather than your personal shopper, quote unquote, um, who hand selected this item for you. Yeah, I'm, I guess, I mean, you're totally right. It's like as if my friend were to send me a link and be like, hey, I thought this is this thing's sort of great for you. Like I would trust that way more than the eight different emails I get from H&M every single day. Yeah, right? that <laughs> I just kind of like press delete, delete, delete and watch them like all sort of go away. That's, yes. that's so smart. And I've heard of like the affiliate programs before. And I guess, I guess I had the thought of like, if you were to have asked or sort of made your way to whoever the PR rep or whoever it may be with these companies, like you probably would have been asking for a similar deal, like a compensation or commission based sort of profit or program. Um, so I guess maybe in general, in terms of like the fashion, like industry is affiliate marketing becoming, is it still like a unique thing or is it more common or I mean, is it like still rare for some, some brands? Yeah. I mean, most brands use them like any popular brand you can think of is on these affiliate marketing channels. However, we're using it in a, in a very different way. I feel like, and we're, we're still testing out how exactly our business model is going to work. The commission based is great, but we can also add a lot more value to our brand partners than simply driving sales. Like we get a lot of great user data. We can provide them with a lot of great insights. And for something like that, we would probably do a different pricing tier, more of like a flat monthly fee and like some kind of like premium and enterprise level. Um, But yeah, we're just using affiliate marketing in a very different way. I think majority of ways brands currently use affiliate marketing is with blogs or newsletters or like influencers is like all I can really think of. Mm -hmm. We're definitely being smart about it because trying to approach these brands in a more formal way. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe it would have worked because a lot of brands are struggling right now, but even just getting your foot in the door would, would have been climbing mountains that we just didn't need to, didn't need to climb. So. Absolutely. Um, I have kind of like a really general and maybe this is going to be a silly question. It's probably especially to you, but like, how, how did you set up the text like feature? Like if I, w- if I was in charge of doing that, I probably would have done a super silly Google search. Like, um, how do I, uh, do I, um, set up a <laughs> text like text- sort of, yeah. Thing. And, and I mean, I guess my follow-up question is how do you get people's numbers? I'm assuming that's through the site. Yes. Uh, so my sister and I are non-technical. And when we started this service, it was really scrappy and beta. And it was just to get some feedback. We actually started by texting people from our own phones. <laughs> which is just like ridiculous to me now, but hey, everyone starts somewhere and everyone is always embarrassed by their first product. So- Oh, always. Yeah, so it it is what it is. Um, But luckily 
I can't take any credit for the system we have now. We um, hired a chief data officer. His name is Ben, and he is just like the perfect addition to our team. Um, he has great tech experience, but he also went to Parsons School of Design in New York and has and is just wildly interested in fashion. So he sits at the intersection of fashion and tech, which is what we are. So he helped us develop an actual system that allows us to not text people um, from our phones, but we're still being really scrappy about it. We're using third-party services um, like Twilio. Twilio is just a service that allows you to send mass amounts of text messages um, at a time. Like if you trying to think of an example, if you like ever opt in to getting text alerts, it's a it's a service like Twilio that's oh, okay. Okay using um yeah and then we use other third-party services like zapier airtable this just is like a hacky way to put something together without having to invest a ton of money in like a custom operating system yeah and i mean i love i love that sort of story because that's probably what i would think i would have to do um but i also just love admitting like oh if there's a third party that can do it, I I don't I forget where who said this first, but work smarter, not harder. Why? Absolutely. Don't reinvent the wheel. Why would you ever burden yourself with with something somebody's already checked off? Exactly. I think that that's incredible and that's so smart. And based on because you talked a lot about the data that you collect, based on how people react to that and how it's a little bit more unique. Um, because I think, I mean, I've run the email campaigns and you can sort of see like, oh, the click-through rate or even Instagram stories. You can see who swiped up, who did those yes. sort of things. How do you guys, because it sounds like you get quite a bit of data and obviously you are constantly working to improve. When you look at the data, what do you specifically like look for? And I mean, maybe this is something you don't entirely want to share publicly, but like what what do you do with that data then to think like what questions you sort of ask or like what proposals do you make to improve? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways that we go about it. One is just based on improving our recommendation algorithm. So we have a sign-up quiz and we have a proprietary tagging system. So all of the um, inventory that we send out to our users, we tag it many different ways. Um, and that's kind of our initial matching of a user style quiz to what products they uh, Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And then um, there's the added layer of users start interacting. For some people, we hit the nail on the head and they're loving and liking everything. Great. They're happy. Some users are a little more tricky. They have more of a particular style that didn't really fall into the buckets that we predetermined. So all of that data kind of stays internal and just refeeds into our recommendation algorithm. And then from the brand side, there's a lot of great information that we are able to provide to them, which this is something that we're still ironing out. We have a couple of smaller brands currently as pilots with us, and we're, we're just working very closely with them to see what kind of data they, they want. We 
we can provide them some, some great stuff, obviously based on how our users are interacting with their products. Um, you know, that love, like, and dislike, that's not something that they normally can see. Mm -hmm. We also can provide them with information on where else their users are shopping at or are interacting which is also really cool because currently if you own an e-commerce site and someone comes on, clicks around a bunch, but then leaves, you have no idea where else that consumer is shopping at or where else that consumer loves to shop. We yeah. have all of that information across all of our brand partners. So that's another like cool thing that we're testing out and seeing if, um, if brands find that valuable. Yeah, what a piece of like leverage to have, and they, and that's like such a such an edge um, yeah. because you're you're so right. I mean, most of the measurements and stuff that I see are clicks and impressions, but right, you guys are really taking it to the next level. And I would anticipate that the fashion industry is only going to get more revolutionized in the terms of tech, and it's gonna be. I mean, like even like I already know that there's like mirrors that like match and you can visualize like what you like look like and probably beyond anything that I can possibly fathom yeah um, that's gonna, that's gonna be that's gonna be like crazy we are just getting started with Raquel's story and she's got a lot more to share give me 30 seconds guys we will be right back with some more groundbreaking Being a college student or recent grad right now is full of unknowns. I don't think many of us intended to be living with our parents, but I know I've been meeting way less people than I would have in person. That's why I'm so glad that for my female friends, the Holdat team, who we had on the podcast just a couple weeks ago now, launched Back Pocket, a membership community full of workshops, book clubs, podcast clubs, and one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Applications are now open to join them, and I seriously hope you do, because this is such an incredible resource, especially right now. Just head to holdat.com and click membership to get started. Welcome back to Groundbreaking. So glad you're still with us. So basically every single industry is always evolving and it's really difficult to keep up with, but the fashion industry specifically is changing on so many different fields. And that's what we're gonna dive into next with Raquel, the co-founder of Catch. Let's get started. Do you guys, do you expect that at one point brands are gonna catch up if they haven't already woken up and realized that this is, this is the way to collect data and I don't know is your is it your goal for them to like come at you guys and be like we need you to be like a part of us or are you super like independent and sorry there's so many questions here but like <laughs> no, it's great. when you're when you're recommending different sort of brands do you guys if a brand is like more working with you guys do you tend to recommend them more often or if it's like if your um, customers or clients are clicking on this one brand specifically more, do you tend to do them? Or are you just, when you send suggestions, are you just like, um, I don't want to say blind, but not as much focused on who it's coming from? Right. So I'll start with your last question. And then yeah, I'm sorry. There was so much there. <laughs> forget what the beginning ones were. But there's currently no huge rhyme or reason to it. Um, I think the biggest thing that we pay attention to is how our users are reacting. So if we notice a particular user 
is loving a lot from a particular brand, we'll definitely send more of that brand. Um, because of where we are with our brand partners, we aren't really working with anyone more than anyone else. Um, with, with the exception of some brands provide us with a higher commission. And yes, we do prioritize those just from a monetary standpoint, yeah, we'll get yeah, more yeah. money on those sales. Um, but that's another great selling point for when, you know, our, our goal isn't to stay on these affiliate networks forever. We want to bring these relationships in house. And when we do, we'll have a lot more control over how we work with these brands. And if a brand's willing to pay a lot more, sure, we will send their products a lot more frequent frequently. So yeah, well, well, it'll be a learning curve for sure, seeing what brands will really value and what they'll be willing to pay for. Um, we're kind of like entering that space now in collecting a lot of that research and that R&D from the brand side, because we've been very user focused um, until now, which makes sense as an early stage startup, especially with a consumer facing leg of the business. User growth is like one of the top metrics that everyone is interested in. All investors that we're speaking to want to see some really ridiculously high month over month growth. So we've kind of been buckled down working on that, but I'm interested in the next couple of months learning from, from brands because it's a very interesting time for them and kind of going back to your, I think, initial question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brands are absolutely catching on. Um, I think they were aware of where they needed to head like a year ago, but the pandemic made them not just aware, but they realized they have to start entering new, just new models, whether it's a ton of brands, you know, right before the pandemic started doing like rental services, or they started partnering with these subscription boxes, stuff like that um, is something that traditional brands and retailers never touched or looked at before. So, you know, just, just from that alone, you knew that brands realized something needed to change. And the ones who haven't been changing at all are the ones that have been going bankrupt. So. Yeah. Well, you have, you have to keep up. I feel like a while ago, I probably would have been more inclined to shop like in a store because that's where you can see the product. You can feel the product and yeah. that's where you can likely try on the product and you can be a lot more confident in your purchase. But maybe now, and maybe this isn't, I guess half of the reason why we're more into the online sort of shopping thing would be because one, we're really confident and loyal with a brand. Mm -hmm. um, and we know like, I mean, I've bought my jeans from the same place for years because I know I like the jeans. Right. <laughs> um, but I guess the other piece of that is the ease of it all. And I think you're right. If the past, these past few months and from the beginning of this year have shown that the future of fashion in terms of distribution specifically is is virtual or it's um, that sort of ship directly um, to home. So I feel like you guys are sort of solving the problem of, you know, feeling like you're in the store because you are giving them that element of trust because it's coming from somebody yeah. that's not the brand. And so that sort of worry or the 
as you're pressing like add to cart or check out, you're like, is this really going to be like it is in person? You're kind of taking that worry um, away a little less. And my question here is that element of trust that it takes. Are you guys building that exclusively through your recommendations and improving the recommendations based on how they react? Or is there another piece um, that you're building trust with? Like, I don't know, do you guys depend on people who use the service to tell their friends about the service or how are you expanding and getting those new users while also making sure those new users are here to stay? Yes, to all points of that. Um, I think it starts with the recommendations and just simply providing the service that they signed up for. Mm, yeah. Obviously, if someone signed up and they were getting everything that they hated, the trust would probably not be there. So we're, we've been pretty good and we have pretty happy customers. Um, so that's definitely the first part. I think a lot of it also just comes from the brand, which is hard to develop a trusting brand name when you are so new. But that's something that we're constantly working on and constantly striving for because when you, someone sees a brand that they that you know has blown up on Instagram and they work with all these great influencers and people post images of all these products, like that's just a brand that you love even if you don't use it and you're like, yeah, I, I would trust buying from that brand. So that's definitely the the route that we're also going down because brand is just so important. And as much as I hate to say social media matters a lot, like it really <laughs> does. And like you're yeah. on social media, so many people will check out a brand's social media before ever purchasing just to see what they're up to, what their follower count looks like, what kinds of posts they're they're posting. So that's definitely, I think, the the second way that we're going to try to build trust, um, especially because people who haven't signed up yet, that just brand image is probably what will get them to sign up. I know that I can make them happy and that we can make them trust us once they do sign up. But it's even just getting past that, that in a yeah. bump of getting of getting users to convert. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I personally don't want to be giving out my phone number to a ton of like people, and I already seem somehow somehow brands already figure out what my <laughs> phone number is through some sort of connection that I don't know if it's connected to my credit card or something like that, and I'll get yeah. I'll get those texts. Um, I'm like really curious too, and maybe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you guys send like any personalized like, or do you send a message along with the things, or is it just like, just like boom, boom, boom? Here's your five like sort of recommendations. And oh, I had a, I had an earlier question too. Sorry, my mind's all over the place. No, but no I'm like, <laughs> are in each of like the sort of like sets of five? Do you is it different? Um, oof. Okay, this is where I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna laugh at myself because doesn't does anyone say garments anymore? That's it's so cheesy. Um, yeah, no, like, is it like this is so sad. But is it like shirt, pants, shoes, like accessory sort of thing? Is it like a sort of a complete set, or is it like a, here's different options? Yes. So to answer that question, it's a mix of options. So we actually don't currently recommend shoes and accessories. 
Okay. I hope to break into that realm eventually, but that's just a di- whole different type of algorithm. Yeah. And I would assume people are a little bit more picky with those sort of things too. Is Definitely. that right? And maybe picky isn't the right word because it's got a bad context, but um but very specific in interest. Yes. Yeah, okay. definitely. Cool, cool. Um so yeah, we really just send a, a mix of products. Some of our users request to see like put together outfits. So we'll send them like a, a full outfit. Others just want to see, you know, send me a couple of sweaters and skirts. They don't have to match by any means. Just send me whatever. Um, so we kind of pose that question to our users to see what they want. Um, and we always send a fun little message before we send the five products. One reason is just to make it fun and engaging. We'll be like, hi, Jake, how's your day going? Here are your products. Um, and then secondly, sometimes we we throw in a style question there, which really just allows us to get even more data. See, we're always thinking about the data. So we might ask mm-hmm. Are you more interested in florals or solids? That's not really a question we ask like during our style quiz. Um, so it's just a way to learn a little bit more about your style. Oh, cool. So you're like almost like com- com- you're having a conversation like back and forth. Because yeah. I was going to ask, does anybody ever like respond to your recommendations? Oh, all the time. <laughs> People always like text us back and they're like either answering our questions or just like, hey, I'm looking for this specific thing or something like that. Oh, cool. Well, I would guess that that has a huge influence then on building the trust too. Because you're no longer just like a text that's saying like, hey, BOGO, 50% off, like whatever. It's like, it's like, right. oh, hey, your name here. Like, you know, what? like, what's up? Like, how's it going? Like, how's your dog? Like those, like, <laughs> like, you know, like those, um, those sort of pieces. I think that's like super crucial. And Definitely. I mean, from like, from just a very simple standpoint, if I saw a preview of the text that said, hey, my name right I'd be like wait even that personalization yeah people people is huge does that take a little bit I mean of course it takes a little bit more work on your end but is like how much additional work does that take because you truthfully could just send the five sort of recommendations um is that like what what was the decision to add that sort of piece there and I guess you kind of hit on that by saying like your reason you want to make it more personal but when you guys are in that sort of startup phase and there's so many options that you can do, um, was that like just like a personal thing that you'd want to see or what made you ultimately decide to, you know, stand out amongst the texts and emails and how did you come across to to that being the way? Yeah, I think, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think that's just kind of how we started when we started texting people literally from our phones, it felt strange to just send them five links unsolicited in the middle of the day. Yeah. So we prefaced it by like, hey, heads up, like, here's your catch of the day. Um, oh, wait, I love that. <laughs> yes. is, that the, is that the thing you use or did you just think of no, that? No, that's, yeah, that's what okay. we call it, like the catch of the day. Yeah, catch. Oh, you actually asked this a while ago, but the, the reason we came up with the name catch there's nothing fun about it. Simply, it was catchy. Uh, what? Are you kidding? That's so fun. I love that. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of great, like, puns and, like, hashtags that we have come up with. So. Oh, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker <laughs> for all the puns and the jokes and everything. That's awesome. 
Yeah, so yeah, it kind of just happened because it seemed weird not to include a message. And then it, you know, people just started texting back. Um, and we we kind of realized that we had this opportunity every time we sent recommendations to engage with our users or start building that trust in in another way. So it, yeah, it it would be a lost, a missed opportunity if we didn't do that. Absolutely. Oh, that makes, I mean, so much sense. When I first heard about Catch and Everything, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like it's sort of a new method, but I'm so excited and fascinated by all of your reasoning as to yeah. why. And I love hearing that it wasn't just the, well, that's just the way we're going to do it. Like you thought about it heavily. Um, right. And you are constantly growing and adapting ahead of the industry, which is so impressive because I can barely keep up with what was going on a few months ago. <laughs> I um, know. Things are that's crazy. Awesome. Um, as we sort of transition to the end of the show here, I always have two questions that I like to ask all of the guests. Um, and I usually have like a couple follow-up questions, so it's usually a little bit more than two questions, <laughs> but, um, we kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, but the first of those two are, if you had to manifest catch into something like what, what is it going to look like? And we can work on whatever timeline you want. Hey, this can be a week from now. This could be three months from now. This could be five years, 10 years, 50 years, however long. Um, what is like, if you had to just manifest the dream scenario, you can be as specific or as vague as you'd like. What, like, what is, what does that like look like? Or what's the vision that just gets you excited to work on it every single day? Yeah. Great question. I, like to keep this question vague and I'll explain why in a second. Um, but for catch, my ultimate goal and vision is just for catch to be the most fun and convenient shopping experience for our users. The reason I keep that so vague is because I think that's going to change every year, maybe. Currently, we're finding that via text is very fun and convenient and engaging. However, text might become as obsolete as email is becoming, and we might have to go down another route. Maybe it, it will become a mobile app. Maybe it will become a desktop website. Maybe it'll become some technology that is Who knows what? Yeah. <laughs> here yet, which it probably will in a couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think the way that we've started Catch and the way that I want to continue on with Catch is we've built it with our users in mind and we have built it alongside our users. We continuously adapt to their feedback and we're building it with that feedback rather than a lot of people build products and then get the users after. And I don't it works for some people, but I think it's just a wasted opportunity because you can literally build it alongside them and, and build what they want. Um, so yeah, I think just I want to continue being innovative and adapting because I know that consumer behaviors and preferences are going to change. So I just want us to be able to change with those. Yeah. And I guess the fashion industry is probably going to change too in terms of style and yep. everything too. So, I mean, you have 
double the amount of work you have to like fix or keep up with the consumer and keep up with the industry like (laughs) that blows my mind do you have any prediction on where the industry is gonna go and I guess that's kind of a weird vague question because a lot of the quote-unquote industry of it all has to do with the delivery and the actual user experience but like in terms of like the basics of like the fashion itself like what um what do you think is is going to happen like is are we gonna is it still going to be like a seasonal thing like I don't know or maybe what are some things that you have observed maybe that's a better question to ask like are we are um, younger people sort of trending towards like more professional wear or is like, I know like kind of the, the like put together look of like loungewear is like kind of the thing now. Too. <laughs> I know athletic wear is so much more popular. Um, do you have any predictions and like, how are you implementing that moving forward? Yeah, I think biggest observation and guess to where the industry is going is just that these larger well-known brands are going to become obsolete and the you know local minority owned direct to consumer brands are are really where people are shifting their focus mm-hmm. now that hasn't completely happened yet um there's a lot of research out there that Although many, many millennials say they want to shift their spending to these direct-to-consumer brands, they're still actually primarily spending at the typical fast fashion brands. Um, but I think there will be a switch in that. Whether It might take a year, it might take a couple years, it might take less than that. I just think 2020 has been such a just such an interesting year for everyone. And it's just kind of opened up everyone's eyes to be thinking about things that they maybe knew they should be thinking about, but weren't actually thinking about. Um, And that's kind of where we're headed. Like, I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the call, but our big focus moving forward in terms of brand partners is to really find those smaller brands that, people want to shop at, but they haven't found them yet. And that's also another value we bring to our consumers is discoverability of these smaller brands. I know when I see an Instagram ad for this random brand and I discover them that way and they're awesome and I love them, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. But that just doesn't happen that often. We are in the unique position where someone can just come to us and we can be that discoverability platform for all of these amazing brands that they'll feel good about shopping at and they'll feel good about supporting. Um, and we're all for that shift in, in focus. I think that's, that's great. And I think part of the reason we're probably still looking at large corporations is because of ease and just the way things have always been, but you're offering a very streamlined alternative to that towards getting where we want to go. So that's awesome. Um, and then my final question for you, is I always have to apologize to people listening because I preface this question the exact same way every time. Um, But I feel like much of the inspiration for this show in general came from, of course, just being inspired by other sort of advice-related pieces of content and hearing other people's stories because I'm most motivated by other people's success and their sort of endeavors and lessons learned. But 
I feel like far too often, like it get ends and the takeaway is like, um, you know, like work hard, like stay true to your values. And you're like, okay, we, the great pieces of advice, like, thank you for that. But then I'm always like, what am I supposed to do now though? Like, am I <laughs> right. not doing that? Um, so I always like to ask what is like something super tangible that somebody can get started with now? So like they've taken an hour to listen to your story and everything that catches up to. Um, what can they do if they have another hour, either right after this episode or sometime later this week, that they can dedicate to working on their own creative project? And you can like keep this um, sort of vague to any industry, or you can be a little bit more specific if you'd like. But what's something that somebody can do um, like physically just to feel like they're moving forward or a logistical next step? if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, great question. I will say, I think the most helpful thing you can do is actually find someone who has failed at what you're trying to do and speak <laughs> to them and learn from their mistakes. Because I agree with you. I listened to how I built this and that inspired my entrepreneurial journey. But those are all of the success stories that, yeah, they literally just say mostly this was luck or, you know, yeah. hard and I spent a lot of hours. But I think the most, the best advice you can get is from someone who actually failed. They did it wrong and they probably learned some very tangible reasons why they failed and they can tell you if they would go back and do it again what they would do differently that is like any other founders that i've spoken to i mean maybe they succeeded eventually but they did so many things wrong in the first part and that's where all of the learning happens if you just succeed and you didn't hit any obstacles that's amazing. And I want that. And I want to do that. But that's just yeah. so unrealistic. Like you're going to hit so many walls and you're going to have to figure out how to get past them. But that's where all of the learning happens. So I would say find someone who has attempted to do whatever you're trying to do. If it's as general as starting a business, there's no shortage of founders who have failed, even if they you know, tried again and succeeded. They, they failed in something in some way. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of, a lot of podcasts or whatever just doesn't really focus on that, but that's where, that's where the learning happens. So, yeah. You're so right. And I mean, I say, I've said this a couple of times, but I feel really fortunate and happy that young creators especially are so transparent in those sort of faults yeah. because it's like, there is so much pride in just going for it. And even if you fall flat on your face, like, there's yeah. still like a little bit of pride looking back like, oh, hey, look, I, at least I started running, you know? Right. Um, I think that's that's an excellent piece of advice. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you decided to take the time with us today. I learned so I learned so much um, Good, just I'm glad. About, about the different sort of not, not only like fashion, but actual just like customer service and adapting and evaluating and staying ahead of the curve, which I think is so incredibly, incredibly valuable. 
Um, that's amazing. I will be sure at the very end of the show to plug all of your social stuff and how people can connect with um, you in catch, of course, because I mean, like, how could you not want to at the end of this? Um, <laughs> Thank you. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Raquel. It meant so much to me. Thanks to Raquel for joining the show today. I love talking with her about not only where the fashion industry is headed, but how we can really improve consumer relations and the experience within it. Keep up with Catch by following them at joincatch, that's Q-A-T-C-H, on Instagram, and try signing up for some new styles created just for you. There's a ton more stories ahead, so don't miss our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming service and follow us at Friendly Media, that's F-R-N-D-L-Y on all platforms. You can also follow me at Jake Bird Music and at Jacob Wittenberg. That's all for today. I will see you guys next time for some more groundbreaking. Groundbreaking.